ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستهديه ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان سيدنا محمدا عبده ورسوله ونبيه وصفيه وحبيبه بلغ الرساله وادى الامانه ونصح للامه وجاهد في سبيل الله حتى اتاه اليقين وتركنا على المحجه البيضاء ليلها كنهارها لا يزيغ عنها الا هالك فاللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في الاولين وصل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في الاخرين وصل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في الملا الاعلى الى يوم الدين وصل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في كل وقت وحين وعلى اله الاطهار وعلى اصحابه الاخيار وعلى اتباعه الابرار الى يوم الدين يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما وبعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وان خير الهدي هدي سيدنا ومولانا رسول الله وان شر الامور لمحدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار I wanted to speak a little bit today about love and what love means in our lives and what love means in our faith and what love means in our relationships. It's not a topic that we usually speak about in these type of settings, but for obvious reasons on today I thought it would be appropriate. One of the interesting things about religion when you study religion is all major religions they have the same character traits but there are usually one or two that are more prominent than the others it doesn't mean that the other traits don't exist but one or two manifest more and one of the traits that manifests the most in Islam is the trait of mercy that Allah we call him the merciful rahman rahim we call the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam nabiyur rahma the, the prophet of mercy So mercy is very prominent in Islam. But that doesn't mean that Islam doesn't speak about love. And to prove that point, Imam Al-Ghazali he he narrates a lot in the Ahya Al-Muddin, he narrates a lot from Isa alayhi salam because Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam is the nabi of love. And he brought this message of love. And because of that most of the hadith many of that let's say many of the hadith in the ahya they go back to Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam because Imam al-Ghazali wanted to emphasize this point that our religion also is based on this idea of love Now love is one of those things that it's hard to talk about but when you see it you know it 
And one of the things that that reminds us of is that love is a manifest love manifests in action. It's not just something that you say. You know, when you tell somebody that you love them, if you tell if you you get in a fight with your wife and you tell her, "But honey, I love you." What is she says? "Show me." Right? Show the love. You have to do something. You have to act out something to underscore that what you claim is true. You have to put your money where your mouth is, which is really why a lot of people on this day, you know, they they exchange gifts and all of these things because it's an expression of that sentiment. Now, of course, it's been commercialized. We're not going to talk about that. We want to talk about what this idea of love really means. Imam al-Shafi'i radiallahu anhu, he summarized this issue of love being manifestation of action. He said, إِنَّ الْمُحِبَّ لِمَنْ يُحِبُّ مُتِيُّ that the one who loves somebody will follow and obey that person. Now when we think of love of us and Allah, love of us and the Prophet ﷺ, you know, we can kind of understand, we understand what it means to obey the Prophet ﷺ and to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what does that mean for each other? If we love each other, if you love your spouse, if you love your children, what does that mean? What does that, po- that line of poetry mean? It means that you have to go above and beyond what is normal to demonstrate your love. You have to express that love. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu, one time he was, you know, one of the main things that Sayyidina Umar did is he established a government uh, with departments. So he was trying to put people in charge and then he was going to give this man this position. And then one of Sayyidina Umar's children came in and Sayyidina Umar kissed his, his, his child. And the man said, oh, you kissed your kids? He's like, yeah, of course. He's like, I have like 12 kids or whatever the hadith, 11 kids. I haven't kissed one of them. So Sayyidina Umar said, oh, you can't, you're not for this job. If you can't even show mercy and love for your child, how will you be responsible over the Muslims? So Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu, he saw this link between expressing love, in this case to the child, to hug and to kiss and to show the child your love and your respect for them. The Prophet ﷺ would stand when Sayyidah Fatima ﷺ would enter the room. Imagine the greatest of creation ﷺ would get up from his, his spot where he was sitting to go and kiss his daughter on the head and tell her to sit where he was sitting ﷺ. Imagine if you grew up like that. Imagine if you grew up that every time you came into the room, your parents addressed you that way or expressed their love that way. So this love is an expression. Now we love people for different reasons. Sometimes we love people for the wrong reasons. But ultimately we love somebody because of that, what that person represents for us. Some of the love is natural, like the love of a parent to the child and hopefully, inshallah, the love of the child to the parent. The love of your family, even though I know sometimes they drive us crazy, but you know, we're stuck with them, so we might as well love them, make the best out of it while we have it. Some of that love is natural, but then sometimes Allah puts somebody in your pathway and then you fall in love with that person because they might represent some ideal or some ideal that you think is an ideal. And that's what that kind of submission is. And when you find that, which is a really wonderful thing, and I pray we all find that, it really brings out in you something that you didn't know that you had. You want to do everything to please that person. You want to do everything right. And then you can understand what Imam al-Shafi'i meant in that poem, in that line of poetry. That if your beloved told you that they want you to do something, you would do it. 
If you knew that your beloved wanted something, you would get it for them. You would go way beyond what is normal to show and to demonstrate that love. And that's why oftentimes we call it something that's irrational. You can't quantify it, you can't measure it. But love can make you do crazy things. The Prophet ﷺ said, your love of things can blind you. The love of, your th of things can cause you to go blind and is a poison to you. Here the Prophet ﷺ is talking about material objects or love that is wrongly placed. Why did the Prophet ﷺ say that? Because when the love is properly placed, it can make you fly. It can make you do things that you never knew you had. And we always talk about Majnoon Layla. You know, this, this poem that we have and the story that we have from the Jahili period that the Muslims used to describe this type of love between a person and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or a person and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Why do we call Majnoon Majnoon? Majnoon means crazy in Arabic. Why he's crazy in love with Layla? Because everything he sees reminds him of Layla. The tents remind him of Layla, the camel reminds him of Layla, the stars remind him of Layla, the water reminds him. All he sees is that he's blinded by his love for Layla. And then the Muslims, they took this theme and they used Layla as the imagery in Islamic poetry for the divine essence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To describe the love that you can experience when you are blinded by your love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But in our own religion, love is a commandment. The, Allah Ta'ala says, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ Say, if you love Allah, follow me, meaning the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allah will love you. So here Allah Ta'ala links for us a couple of things. He links love to obedience, like Imam al-Shafi said. And he also links love of the divine to obedience to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. By following the way of the Prophet ﷺ, that's how Allah will love you. And then the Prophet ﷺ himself said, as is narrated in Bukhari and elsewhere, "La yu'minu ahadukum." None of you truly believe until you love me more than you love your own selves, ﷺ. And that was how the companions were with the Prophet ﷺ. They loved him above all else, even their own selves. In one of the episodes of the seerah, when the Quraysh came to the Prophet ﷺ to try to negotiate things, and then he went back, they said, what did you see? He said, wallahi, I have been all over the world. I have been to uh, Kisra, you know, Khosros of, of Persia. I have been to Qaisar, Caesar. I have been to all of these kings. I have never seen anybody honor and respect their leader the way that the companions honor and respect Muhammad ﷺ. And they knew that they're, they're never going to win. Because they saw things that they've never seen before. What did they see? They saw this love. Because when you're in a position of power, you can force people to obey you. You know, but people in power, they're not usually like loved the way we're talking about. They're feared. You'll say whatever to them, just so you know, you can glide by and not get hurt. You'll give them anything that they want. But that's not a real relationship of love because when that person's power and wealth is removed, you know, people just turn their backs and leave them. And we have poetry about that and even Machiavelli talks about that in The Prince. But what he saw, what Arwa saw with the Prophet ﷺ is he saw something else. He saw them 
running to grab the water that would fall off of his body limbs as he was making wudu so they could drink it. Now that's something else. That's something that you can't pay for. That's something that you can't affect. You can't fake that. That's real love. And because the companions loved the Prophet ﷺ in that way, and they saw in the Prophet ﷺ that, 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 that layla for them, they saw in him that reflection of divine beauty. And that's why we refer to the Prophet ﷺ as, as Al-Qamar, as the moon. Not just Al-Qamar, we refer to him as Al-Badr. Al-Badr is the full moon. And the moon reflects the light of the sun. So when the moon is full on the 13th, 14th, and 15th of the lunar month, it's very bright. Sometimes some of us can't sleep well that, those nights because there's so much natural light outside. So when we liken the Prophet ﷺ to that, we are expressing the beauty that was reflected in the Prophet ﷺ that is the beauty ultimately of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Sahaba, they said we would look at the moon and we would look at the Prophet ﷺ and we would not know what is more beautiful, the full moon. And to understand that, you know, we're, we, are, we suffer from artificial, from light pollution. We don't really know what it's like when, when the sun sets for it to be black. I remember one time I was in the desert in Mauritania, and when the sun set, I mean, it, was, it, it set. The day was over. Even though it's like 5, 6 o'clock, it's, oh, you can't really do much. All the stars are out. And I could have imagined when I, I spent that one night, like I, I imagined what it would have been like if the full moon was out. It would have lit everything. You would have had an extra couple hours of the evening to do this and to do that, to visit people. So when the companions likened the face of the Prophet ﷺ to the full moon, you know, this is a statement of love and beauty. And they saw in him that reflection of those traits of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of mercy and of compassion and of love and of lutf and of gentleness and etc. and care for the companions. So they could not help but fall in love with the Prophet ﷺ. And that's why those very people, after the passing of the, of the Prophet ﷺ, were able to accomplish the things that they accomplished. Because of their love of the Prophet ﷺ. And therefore the, the love of Allah upon them. These were very simple Bedouin Arabs. That before the advent of the message of the Prophet ﷺ lived a very simple life. You know, Sidna Umar tells us a little bit about what that was like. Well, one time he made uh, an idol out of dates and then he got hungry and then he ate it. You know, he cried and he laughed and they said, well, you know, what makes you cry and laugh? And he told them this story. Those very same people, their life was transformed. It wasn't another set of people. It wasn't a, a set of Ivy Leaguers that came later and, and McKinsey consultants and investment bankers. Those were, were the same exact people whose lives were transformed who could not even think beyond the Arabian Peninsula, could not even think beyond Mecca and Medina and these little trade routes. These were the same people that were, you know, 50 miles from Paris, uh, Kisra, or the rings of Kisra that fell. And the Prophet ﷺ told them all of these things would happen during the Sahaba's lifetime. And in the first 100 years after the passing of the Prophet ﷺ, you know, the Sahaba, the last Sahabi, he died around the year 100 of the Hijrah. In those first 100 years, they saw all of these things. They saw the defeat of the Romans. They saw the collapse of the Persian Empire. They saw the defeat of the, of the state, the proxy state in Yemen. There's Egypt, Libya, all of North Africa, Morocco, southern Spain. Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu anhu is buried in Europe, in Istanbul on the European side of the city. All of these things in the same generation of those same people. 
and their lives were transformed because of their love of the Prophet So all of this is to tell us, how could you not love the man How could you know him and not love him? How could you know about his traits and not fall in love with him the way that they fell in love with him But what does that mean for us and our other relationships to end where we began? The Prophet told us to be merciful amongst one another. That's one of his traits towards us and our traits amongst each other is to be merciful with one another. The Prophet told us, men especially, to be kind and gentle to our wurifqan bil qawarir. Be gentle with those that are fragile. Not in a pejorative sense, but to honor and respect and protect our women. We see in the life of the Prophet the Prophet was giving the khutbah just like I am now, and his grandchildren, Al-Hasan and Al-Hussein, were playing or crying, and he stopped the khutbah to descend from the mimbar to carry them. Now this, what I'm doing now, this is one of the arkan, this is one of the conditions of the Jummah prayer. It's like leaving dhuhr prayer in the second rakah to pick up a kid and then to resume. It's like something that you don't do. But the Prophet ﷺ told us and taught us in the presence of children, the sharia is suspended. Even something as important as the khutbah itself, he would leave ﷺ to hug his children or his grandchildren. And they would play on his shoulders while he was making sujood and things like that. This is uh, the Prophet we're talking about, Sallallahu This is the greatest of creators. There's nothing in the created universe better than Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu He is greater than the Kaaba, and he is greater than the Arsh, and he's greater than the Farsh, and he's greater than the Kurs. All of these things, when we start to talk about the Prophet Sallallahu oh, we, we don't stop to talk about how great and how exalted and how awesome he was, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. For that person to leave, you know, the, the, the fundamental thing that he came to teach us for, for a child, or the story with the young girl who took him by his hand because she had lost her necklace somewhere in Medina. And he just went wandering around the streets and the alleys until she found what she was looking for. And then he you know, took her home and, and went back to his, on his, his business. So this is the love that we owe in our lives. So if this is a day that we think is important and it's a day that we feel like we need to gift and you know... Maybe us men were in the doghouse and we need to get back inside, or we're, some of us have been sleeping on the couch for too long and we need to get back in the bedroom, or whatever the case may be. You know, put some thought into that, into this action. It's not a gift on just this day, and you know, you're going to make these companies. Uh, you know, you're helping their bottom line. By the way, I hope you understand that. That's that's what we're doing. But put some thought into what we're talking about. The Prophet ﷺ, he was in the service of his family, meaning that his hands worked with the hands of the house. Whatever anyone did, he also did. Meaning in our language, whatever chore was being done in the house, whatever chore needs to be done, the Prophet ﷺ would also do it. He also took care of himself. He sewed his own clothes and fixed his own sandals. He didn't sit down on some throne and, you know, woman feed me. And he wasn't like that. How do we know? Because we know everything about his life, sallallahu And if he was this amazing leader and this, you know, politically, you know, genius military figure of history, if we look at him just like that, sallallahu we would want to emulate, you know, what, where did this greatness come from? Well, this is what this greatness was like. This is what he was like when he was inside the home with his family. 
And his love extended way beyond what we think. Sayyidah Aisha السلام, she says, I was not jealous of any woman except Khadija. Even though she never met Khadija. Khadija السلام, died uh, after the, uh, in the Meccan period. The Prophet وسلم, didn't marry uh, Aisha until Medina, until the Hijrah. Why? Because she said everything with this, pro- with this man, meaning the Prophet وسلم, everything is Khadija. Khadija's family and Khadija's children and Khadija this and Khadija. Oh, we used to eat this at the time of Khadija. Oh, I remember in the time of Khadija we used to live like this. So she was like, I was so jealous of this lady who had passed, alayhi salam. And not just that, when the Prophet's daughter uh, wanted to ransom her husband, who at that time had not become Muslim, she sa- he was captured and he was in- incarcerated in Medina. She sent for his ransom the jewelry that she inherited from her mother Khadija. So when this ransom was brought to the Prophet and he, you know, he opens this wrapping and he sees that this is the jewelry of his, his deceased wife Khadija, he starts crying. He says, you know, do whatever you want. He couldn't control those emotions because of his, lo- his love for his first wife. This was a woman who supported him when no one supported him. This is a woman who believed in him when no one on earth believed him. She was the first believer. And not just that, she spent from her wealth on the Prophet ﷺ so he can do what he needed to do. That's a marriage. That's love. I'm not saying to the women, if your husband comes home with a crazy idea, you have to you know, dig in. I'm giving you an example from the seerah. We take from it that which is applicable for our lives so we don't misunderstand one another. But that's love. That's sacrifice. That's going way, way, way beyond way beyond the call of duty, way beyond any expectation. To have that kind of love and to feel that feeling of, of fulfillment from that other person for your entire life and even beyond their earthly life. This is the kind of love that we need to raise in our families, raise in our homes and remind ourselves of. In fiqh, in Islamic fiqh, when a man or a woman dies, the majority of the fuqaha, they say it's not permissible for the man to wash the wife, the deceased, or the woman to wash the husband. This is the majority opinion. But when Sayyidina Fatima died, السلام, Sayyidina Ali, her husband washed her out of his love and respect for his deceased wife. So it's like this stand-alone fiqh opinion that according to the opinion, we even say that according to the opinion of Imam Ali, that's permissible. But all of the other madhahib say that's not permissible. Why, did he, why, do the, why does the, the intellectual body of, of Islamic law allow this as a legitimate opinion? Because of the special relationship that exists between a husband and a wife. And the love and the respect and the care that he felt that he owed his wife, who was the daughter of the Prophet ﷺ. And we can go on and on and on with all of these stories, but the... To come back to where we began, we need to think about what this idea of love is, and we need to express this. There's no shame in expressing this. Sayyidina Umar, the, you know, the mighty, the great, shaitan was scared to walk in the same alley that Sayyidina Umar walked in. The Prophet ﷺ told us, he showed love to his children and his spouse, the Prophet ﷺ, and all of these stories and many, many, many more. We should not be afraid to express this to our spouses, to our children. A lot of us, we come from these cultures that are really, you know, patriarchal and are not very Islamic from that point of view. And that's wrong. 
And that's something that we should root out. That's something we should root out completely because it's not from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. May we understand love, may we be able to feel it in our own lives. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم. A few announcements. There's been a, a, a death in the community. Brother Bashir Aslam, who was 37, passed away. He is the cousin of uh, Shaista, Sister Shaista. The janazah will be tomorrow at ICM at around Dhuhr time. So for those that can go, uh, inshallah, to ICM, we ask Allah Ta'ala for maghfirah for Brother Bashir and for Shaista's family. May Allah Ta'ala alleviate, uh, alleviate the suffering for them in this passing in this difficult time. We also have a sickness in the community. Brother Hamid Sheikh is sick, so he's asking for dua. So we ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala to heal him and to end, end any pain that he's in. And also KK Husmani is in the ICU, so we're also remembering him. Uh, or uh, her in our, in our dua all of those that are ill that we don't know about we ask Allah Ta'ala for shifa all of those who have passed that we don't know about, about we ask Allah Ta'ala for his maghfirah for them inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. tonight's class will be the same 7.30 we're talking about times of yawm al and uh, signs of yawm al qiyamah and uh, Sunday halaqahs at 6.15 that's also the same uh, with that, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his forgiveness and for his tawfiq in our actions. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to embody the love that was embodied in the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. We ask Allah ta'ala to improve our marital relations, our relations with our children and our families uh, and our siblings. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to mend any wounds that have occurred amongst our families to bring uh, uh, accord after discord inshallah in all of our social relations we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to lift us with the light of the Quran and the light of the sunnah we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to have mercy on our parents we ask Allah ta'ala to bless and protect our children we ask Allah ta'ala to have mercy on those who have passed before us we ask Allah ta'ala to protect our community and to protect our families during this time of fitna we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to alleviate the suffering of our brothers and sisters our Syrian brothers and sisters and the Rohingya and the Uyghurs and all of those who have been affected by this new virus. We ask Allah Ta'ala for his shifa. May this uh, sickness be alleviated. May, may, may we not be affected by it. And those that are, may they find shifa soon inshaAllah. We ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala to make us people of the Qur'an and to make us people of the Sunnah. We ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala to help us prepare for the month of Ramadan as it is around the corner. We ask Allah Ta'ala for his absolute forgiveness. May this be a moment of absolute and pure forgiveness for us. Allahumma hadina fiman hadayt wa'afina fiman afayt. Allahumma tawallana fiman tawallayt. Wabarik lana fima a'atayt waqina wasrif anna sharra ma qadayt. Allahumma taqabbal salatana wa siyamana wa qiyamana wa ruku'ana wa sujudana ya arhamur rahimin. Allahumma khfir lana dhunubana wa israfana fi amrina wa thabbit aqdamana wa nsurna ala alqawm alkafirin. اللهم انقلنا من دائرة سخطك إلى دائرة رضاك وافتح علينا فتوح العارفين بك 
واحشرنا تحت لواء نبيك صلى الله عليه وسلم يوم القيامة واسقنا من يده الشريفة شربة ماء لا نظمأ بعدها أبدا ثم أدخلنا الجنة بغير حساب ولا سابقة عقاب ولا عتاب ومتعنا بالنظر إلى وجهك الكريم في جنات خل يا رحيم فاللهم ارحم حينا وميتنا وحاضرنا وغائبنا وارفع أيدي الأمم عنا وأقمنا بالحق وأقم الحق بنا آمين 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 وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين وصل اللهم على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم وأقم الصلاة إن صلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا موقوتا